these challenges that we go through, they, they, they color who we are. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, Clear Choices listeners. I have a very unique show today. Why is it unique? I'm going to be the one interviewed. And not only am I going to be the one interviewed, I'm going to be interviewed by my producer and editor, Chrissy Merriweather, who lives in Georgia. So that's make it different. And we're also celebrating something significant, and that is it is one year since we did our first episode. So we're almost 40 episodes in, and we're going to celebrate a little bit by kind of doing a highlight reel best of clear choices and, and getting some insight from the person who's been behind the scenes doing an amazing job uh, helping me produce this show. So Chrissy, welcome to Clear Choices. Woohoo! Thank you so much for having me on this side of Clear Choices. Uh, I can't believe it's already been a year. It has gone fast and uh, you've made it fun. Well, thank you. And so have you. And um, who would have thought that when you started this podcast about making clear choices, uh, the very difficult choices that we would be looking at making over this past year? Yeah, we have been faced with uh, unprecedented challenges. And so I think the the clear choices concept has been, you know, more, more relevant than ever. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, we'll go back with the beginning and you originally started your clear choices podcast because you were inspired by your parents' history and the choices that they had to make to survive the Holocaust. How has the show evolved over this past year since you started it? Well, um, it's a good question. I, I think it's evolved because I've, when I look back at the, you know, 36 or so guests that we've had up until today, you know, it's really diverse. You know, I mean, I've had professional athletes, I've had Holocaust survivors, I've had business people, I've had people who have, you know, chosen to move away from America and live in a foreign country, you know, people who've written books on various topics really relevant to the themes of what's happening today in our world. So it's it's really been far more diverse than I had originally anticipated. I've learned a lot, you know, and grown a lot by interviewing these people. And hopefully, you know, I've touched the audience. Hopefully the audience has has gotten some tools, I guess, to to better cope or make choices in their own life. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're right, you have had a diverse group of people come on the show. And what's great, you've been able to make the show very relevant, like you said, and timely with things that are going on around the world. Speaking of people that you have touched, I thought it was interesting. I thought I would pull a review that uh, found on Apple Podcasts. Unfortunately, you don't get the people's names and email addresses. You just get some kind of, I don't know what. So this is from C-D-A-N-H-O. And this person says, love the questions asked. Makes me think in a deeper way about my life, my choices, and my options. This podcast is a great tool. When you hear things like that, 
what does that do? Does that solidify your decision to start this podcast? Yeah, uh, it really does. It feels good. I hadn't even read that one. So thanks for sharing it. Um, you know, I think you might do a better job of preparing for these shows than I do. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed so far. Maybe you want to, maybe you need to take over and be the host from now on. Oh, no. uh, you're, 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 you're doing I like the I like the behind the scenes. <laughs> you're you're doing it. You're doing a good job. Um, no, I, when I hear that, it it definitely is satisfying. I mean, that is the goal. You know, look, I'm not a I'm not a therapist. I'm not an expert. I haven't written books on any specific topic. I am a coach in the business world, so I have some kind of insight on how to move people forward. And that's really my goal with this: is to just move people forward. And uh, when I hear a quote like that, I feel like that's happening. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, well, let's get into some episodes that have really resonated in the past. You know, we this all started with your parents and many of the choices that your parents made over the course of their lives affected clearly them, but, but also you. Um, I feel like your mom's quote from the first episode, episode one, and that of a recent episode, uh, Sue Kern Wendell, really are important and kind of complement one another. So I want to play those quotes and kind of get your response to them. Sure. You can either stay to be a victim or you can turn this around and tell people what happened and say, we are not victims. We are survivors. It's a choice to focus on the negative. It's a choice to focus on the positive. And when you can understand what each of those choices results in, because you are what you think, you are what you choose. And yes, you can choose to be a victim, but what does that result in? And if you choose resilience and, and other positive reactions, then I think you'll have a more satisfying life. Yeah, I mean, that that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Uh, you know, it's interesting, as I was listening to my mom and then Sue Kern, um, it made me think of, like, just last night, I was watching this this uh, Netflix documentary with my sons uh, about top athletic coaches. And there was, so there was an interview with a, a world-class soccer coach and then a world-class basketball coach, uh, Doc Rivers. And, uh, and Doc Rivers was talking about exactly what my mom and, and Sue were talking about. Uh, he was talking about how his parents just taught him never to be a victim. And it's just so, it's so interesting to hear like a Holocaust survivor or, you know, in the case of Sue Wendell Kern, a, a person who's running an organization for second generation survivors of the Holocaust, that they, you know, I mean, they sound like a pro basketball coach. They're like, hey, you know, you can make a choice. You can, you can either, you know, give up right now in the fourth quarter, or you can choose this. I mean, it, it's almost the same message. It's just really interesting um, to, to hear that in contrast to the, the documentary I watched last night. It's just, it's interesting how there's such a connectedness to the messages that people with a powerful thing to say, how, how it's, it's, you know, an 85 year old Holocaust survivor sounds like a professional NBA basketball coach. It's kind of funny. It is kind of funny. And I think that, I mean, ultimately, that is kind of what many people, you know, whether it's somebody who's been through a difficult tragedy or somebody who's just trying to be the best that they can be, is how to get beyond that, how to get past that, oh, what was me, everything bad happens to me, you know, how to get past that victim mentality. Do you have any advice 
for how to do that? I mean, clearly you just heard top elite coaches speaking to that. I just wonder if you have any insight into really how to get over that victim mentality. I I don't know if it's advice as much as it is reminding everybody that we're all stronger than we think we are. Mm. I think that's, I don't know that there's a, there's, I don't think there's a, a hack or a trick or a technique. I mean, maybe there is, but I think ultimately we're all just stronger than we think we are. You know, when my parents went through the Holocaust, you know, I don't think they went into it being like, oh, I got this, you know, I'm going to, this is going to be my way of coping. I just think they literally went moment to moment, hour by hour, day by day and survived it and then came out the other end and had a choice to make. And that choice was, do I want the rest of my life to be clouded by this dark thing that wasn't my fault that I went through? Or do I want to take that dark thing and rebel against what happened and live a great life as as resilience? And, And that's what they did. And that's why they compelled me to, you know, even you know, do this show or speak about them you know, publicly and that kind of thing. So I, I don't know that I have a advice as much as I have a reminder that we're all stronger than we think we are. Okay, that is such a good segue to a past episode and an, a quote that I have pulled. And this was your episode with Beth Abrams, which was definitely an interview that stood out to me because in it, I mean, people need to go back and listen to it. I believe it was episode five. You know, she lost her son to cancer and made the choice, she and her husband, to have another child. And throughout listening to her speak, you know, she she made me cry, but then had me laughing. So it's just a great episode to go back and listen to. But I want to play this quote. Let's listen. I would tell everyone, you are so much stronger than you think you are. People are strong and you can learn to live with your loss. It becomes part of you. It is your new normal. Uh, you know what, what comes to my mind with that? I love that interview too. Uh, a friend of mine, when I told him over a year ago that I was planning to start doing a podcast and I told him the name of it, he's like, oh, you should call it the new normal. Ah. So, so that's what she just said. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I really thought about it because I, I, I like that idea of like, hey, it just becomes your new normal. But, you know, what she says is is powerful because, um, you know, these these challenges that we go through, they 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 color who we are. And so I, I think instead of instead of being resistant to the challenges that come up in our life, like everything that's going on right now with COVID and politics and the economy and you know, we need go no further, you know, we can choose to look at it as just like this horrible inconvenience and be irritated all the time. Or we can look at ourselves live in the moment like I try to do and go like, well, how am I changing from this? And, you know, yeah, certain things, you know, my wings feel clipped in some ways. And in other ways, this has been great. You know, I'm spending more time with my family. I'm home more. We're improving our home. I'm surfing more. I'm just doing stuff, other things more. And yet, yeah, yeah, I haven't been on an airplane in seven months. That sucks. And I haven't traveled like I like to travel. That's not great. But but there's a lot of things that have been enriching about it. And so it's the new normal right now. And uh, so I really resonate with what she said, you know, that it's all a choice, you know, we can sit here and just percolate in misery if we want to. But we have that choice. Yeah. So there's one other quote I pulled from her and um, it's totally dealing with making a choice. And so 
Let's listen. If you just think about what we've talked about, it's the getting stuck and not being able to make a choice that is really what holds people back in life. Yeah, that I think that is so true. I don't remember her saying that, um, but that is so so true. I, I, one of the things I've noticed in my in the work world is uh, uh, in, in my the company I work with, we we um, we use personality assessments to kind of determine you know who's the right match for a certain job. You know, so like for example, I'm not a very good match to be an accountant. I could probably do it. I have the intellectual capacity to figure out you know, how to do debits and credits, but it would kill me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, so we use these personality matches um, to kind of find the right fit for people. You know, what I've noticed using these personality assessments is that there's a very small portion of the population that have a personality that's going to allow them to kind of forge ahead, take risks, you know, know that there's going to be you know, failures involved. The vast majority of, of us are very risk averse and that makes them paralyzed around decision-making. And when you become, in my opinion, uh, when you become paralyzed or stagnant in your decision-making, so goes your life. Because yeah. if you're just sitting there like, okay, well, I don't like my job, but I'm afraid of not having a job so I'm going to just stick with the job that makes me unhappy. Then you become stuck. You become paralyzed there. And that, and that's unfortunately the vast majority of people is they, they don't want to, they, they, they prefer safety and consistency, what they know mm -hmm. over what they want. And uh, I think that's a, a loss that they're imposing upon themselves. And I, and I don't, I'm not going to say what I'm about to say as a brag, but just to, you know, kind of address that comment you made as it relates to my own life, you know, I've lived, uh, I've lived in a lot of places and I've done a lot of things. So, you know, I've lived in Portland, I've lived in a small town in Washington, New York City, San Francisco, and now Los Angeles. And I've been in, you know, the advertising business, the publishing business, the technology field, real estate, obviously, uh, multiple roles within real estate. Uh, I've been an actor, you know, when I was younger, I was a, a elite athlete. I've, so I've done all these things and maybe, you know, one could say that's to my detriment because I didn't stick with one thing and climb to the highest pinnacle in that one thing. But I believe all those choices added up to making me who I am, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with. So, um, you know, so th those, but those, all those choices were fearful, right? Like meaning moving to a new city by yourself is not easy and changing industries and careers and jobs is not easy. And, and a lot of people don't do that. And, um, you know, I kind of, I've kind of listened to my intuition of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not happy doing this anymore, or this isn't serving me in one way or another anymore. And, and so I made the choice to make a change. And, and a lot of people are resistant to that. No, it's funny. I pulled a quote for you because that's what you do with your guests. So you don't know that I pulled this quote, but the quote that I pulled, I actually pulled a couple and you'll know why after I read them, because everything worth doing starts with being scared. And then uh, the next quote, if it excites you and scares you at the same time, it probably means you should do it. And then I found a quote, and I guess you've been speaking to this, but well, the reason I pulled these is because there is somewhat of a conflict, right? Of doing something that scares you because it's going to be beneficial. It might be something you need to do versus 
when is it really scary and you shouldn't do it? So um, the other quote I pulled was from Nelson Mandela. May your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, all that really lands on me. Thanks for for pulling those. I, I, I coach to that a lot in my coaching part of my life because I find that the thing that people most resist or the thing that they you know, know that they should be doing, but they're fearful of. That's typically where I try to push them. I mean, not always. Uh, I mean, obviously, I I, I want to be thoughtful to you know impact that it's going to have in their life. But oftentimes, you know, they're like, "Oh, I really need to work on this part of my business," but it scares me or it makes me uncomfortable. I'm, and and that's kind of where I gravitate to guiding them as a coach. And most of the time, I think there's the most fruit there. It reminds me of this time I was in a um, a men's group, and um, there was a gentleman in the men's group who was a uh, acupuncturist, and um, he was talking to us about wanting to expand his business and be in multiple locations. But he was, you know, had some fear or resistance to you know taking on extra lease and extra staff and running a bigger business. And uh, so he was talking to us about that. And this guy happened to be, you know, overweight. I don't know if he was obese or not, but he was overweight. And and as we were talking, I said, you know, I think you have everything it takes to expand your business. But one of the things that I notice about you that's sort of incongruent is that you you talk about this health, healthy life and you're guiding people, your patients to be healthy. And then you don't look the part. And I just wonder if you would be able to go into expanding to a second or third location with more confidence if you looked like what you want your patients to look like. And it was really hard for him to hear, of course, but he also knew it was completely true. And, 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 you know, he went on and lost significant amount of weight and started that second location. I'm not saying it's because of me or because of what I said, but he was really grateful because I think it was something that a lot of people or no one had said to him before. So sorry, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I bet, for you to say that, I mean, most people w- wouldn't have felt like it was their place or what, you know, would have made it some excuse. So to, to be able to really shine a mirror, put a mirror on them. Yeah. And I, I was nervous to say it because I didn't know if he was going to storm out or be mad at me. And, you know, it completely stunned him, you know, like you could see like, it, it's like he got slapped, but after he like processed it, he was like, thank you. You know, I really, I needed to hear that, you know, like he, he appreciated it. And so that felt, it felt good. Like, I, I, I try to kind of take that sort of risk with people I care about, you know, to be that honest with them. Yeah. If I think, if I think it's going to help them. You know? Right. And I imagine just because of the relationship that y'all had, it was, you know, received differently than just someone walking down the street. Yeah. yeah I, I try, I try not to do that with people. I don't know. <laughs> you need to lose weight. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good idea. That's a bad, clear choice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about, the episode that has had the most downloads thus far. Okay. I'm going to play a clip from Paul Walker's episode, episode number four. Okay. You know, all I can say is you do what you feel you've been given the tools to do and a drive to do. And don't be afraid because through discipline and drive, it will make through the tough times. That's just the way it is. And sports taught me how to compete and how I'm not going to always win but I'm going to come back. Well, so first of all, you know, Paul Walker is an amazing guy. Um, uh, for people who haven't heard that episode, you know, he was a very successful 
contractor, general contractor, construction guy, or the construction company made, you know, significant amounts of money and, and left that because he found a passion in, you know, creating this youth soccer program that was serving underprivileged communities. And now it's grown into a, I don't even know how big the organization is exactly, but it's several thousand kids that are involved. Um, I, I, it's, it's over a hundred teams. So 20 people per team. I'm, I'm thinking it's at least 2000 players. And so he's built this huge philanthropic entity that's helping a lot of, you know, young adults that are, you know, somewhat at risk. So, so first of all, he's just an amazing guy, but second of all, look, there again is that theme of fear and determination and resilience that just seems to kind of come up with all these divergent people, you know, quadruple amputees and Holocaust survivors and, you know, soccer coaches and whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I think really what's what the the other thing I would say about that is it's partially why I love sports so much. You know, I, I think it's easy for people who aren't into sports to look at those of us that love sports to go like, oh, what a waste of time to watch a football game on a Saturday and waste three hours or whatever. And, you know, yeah, maybe maybe there's other more productive things I could be doing, you know, writing the great American novel or something. But but what I love about sports is in just about every game or match I watch, you see the human conditions kind of unfold live unscripted you know you see people coming up against challenges whether it's they lose a good player to an injury or they're down in the fourth quarter or the weather or just something happens you know that they have to adapt to and be resilient towards and kind of make a choice to be like positive and hey yeah we're down 20 in the fourth quarter but you know what are we going to do just fold up shop and walk away like let's try to win and so I just, there's just something about that that just never gets old for me. And so Paul Walker uh, is a guy that, you know, he just never gives up. He's, I've seen him, I've known him for about seven years and I've seen him come a, a, up against brick wall after brick wall after brick wall and somehow or another he punches through it. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely listening back to it was like, oh, there it is again, resiliency. Exactly. Uh, okay, so you had mentioned in your opening, it's been a year, you've interviewed nearly 40 people, mm-hmm. very diverse, you know, again, from traveling the world to injuries, uh, to surviving difficult things, creating wealth, even interviewing a convicted murderer who was probably one of the most articulate human beings I've ever heard. Uh, so I'm going to play his clip and we'll talk a bit about that episode. You got it. If I took a life because I couldn't confront my shame. The only thing that is a form of redemption to me is to face that shame and then to share that process with other people so that they have company in facing that same struggle. Yeah. Chris Branscombe, uh, he was definitely one of my, you know, favorite interviews. Uh, it was, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I went into it, talk about fear. I went into it a little uncomfortable because you know, I, to my knowledge, I've never sat face to face with a convicted murderer. I mean, maybe I, maybe I have, but I didn't know. And this was pre-COVID and he, he came to your house. So this, yeah. wasn't, this wasn't over Zoom. Yeah, this was not over Zoom. And so, yeah, it was actually really funny. Um, uh, I'll, I'll take a second to describe that situation. So uh, Laura Abrams, who is another guest of mine, uh, who's a UCLA professor of sociology and, and, and in the criminology sector, she introduced me to Chris. 
And so I've been emailing back and forth with Chris for months and months and months. And he's from Sacramento. And in my head, for whatever reason, I just assumed he was in Northern California. And so I had arranged for a Zoom interview, like all my interviews or most of my interviews. And he's like, well, why don't I just come over? And I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in downtown Los Angeles. I'm like, uh, okay. And so he rode his motorcycle over here. And then I've got my kids here and whatever. And, and, I, and I've got this guy who I've never met who's introduced to me by someone who I really trust. And so I got this convicted murderer in my office, like where I'm sitting right now, he's sitting right next to me, which was, so that was kind of surreal, you know, but what, what I, what I really would say was my big takeaway from a guy like Chris Branscom is that I, I went into the interview with judgment. You know, I went into it with judgment, like he's not going to be articulate, not a good person. You know, I'm nervous or fearful or uncomfortable. Like, is this safe to be talking to this guy? And all of that, like within a couple of minutes, we just, com- he completely disarmed me. He completely impressed me. He, look, he was someone who made a bad choice when he was 19. He's 40, whatever he is now. He's not even remotely that person. And I think that's true for a lot of us, you know, like not in maybe that extreme of a way, but I think all of us, you know, like I'm 55. There's a lot of similarities. There's pieces of my 19 year old self that are still existing but I'm a very different person. And he's, he's not that murderer. You know, he made a bad choice. You know, he was involved with the wrong people. He was, you know, had emotional limitations and, and awareness with his awareness was limited. And, you know, it was all out of ego and fear. And and there's that word again, and he's just not that guy. And so what was really powerful about interviewing him was that at the beginning of it, I was like, should I have this person in my house? And by the end of it, I was like, you want to grab a beer? You know, like I really liked him. <laughs> I, I really liked the guy. And so that was, that was awesome. I hope the audience got from that, that, you know, we should all take off our filters of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty amazing to see all that he has done. I mean, all that he did, the work he did in prison on himself, because a lot of people don't do that work. Well, that's why he was redeemed. That's why he yeah. was let go because he had done so much work on himself first and then gave so much back to other people there, helped them do work on themselves. That's the only reason they let him out. You know, I mean, he was guilty, admittedly guilty of murder. So the only reason you, you get out for that is because you've done, you've, you've got, you've had really good behavior and he, he made a difference. Yeah. And is continuing to do so, which is so cool. Exactly. So do you have any other over this past year of obviously pulled out some interviews that, that stood out. Are there any others that you can think of that stood out? Ah, boy, that's, uh, it's so hard. Um, I'm, I'm literally going to like pull up the list of episodes because I have to think about it. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's none that I wish I didn't do. You know what I mean? There's none that I look at and go, Oh, that was, you know, that was a, a, a waste or that wasn't appropriate. Uh, I mean, I look, I think, I think Laura Abrams, um, was powerful. Uh, she was talking about, you know, juvenile um, incarceration. And, and, and through that, we got to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, issues of bias and injustice. So that, that was really powerful. Um, you know, uh, I spoke to a rabbi, um, Rabbi Shapiro. He had just a very um, kind of generous view uh, on the world, I think, and, and, and what we can do to 
uh, uh, make a difference for other people. So th- those stand out. Um, you know, another another person in the sports related world I, I spoke to uh, was a guy named Peter Gale, and uh, and he stood out to me um, because you know he he was one of the few people I spoke to who's also a coach, like meaning he's coaching people, young athletes on how to make choices about their athletic path. You know, he's guiding athletes on how to decide, you know, where to play in college or where to go professionally, et cetera, how to navigate that. So as a coach myself to work with someone else who's coaching others, that was interesting. Uh, so that stood out. Oh, you know, and another one, I, I think maybe the last one I'll, I'll mention is, um, uh, Stephen Beard, Stephen Beard, um, you know, this is a guy who's got um, some physical challenges and he's in the real estate business and just so positive, just someone who like when I when I look at him physically and see what it takes for him to get in a car and drive to an appointment, I think to myself, like, oh, my God, that would be so hard. You know, I just how does he do it? And and to hear how like joyful and grateful and positive he was, it's like. God, what a, I got to slap myself in the face and just say, what's, what's wrong with me? What am I complaining about? Like, oh, I got a sore neck. And when I wake up in the morning or whatever, you know, like, so, so hearing people like that, that just kind of have such a positive attitude around what seems like challenging circumstances, that's always inspiring. So those are a few, but I mean, I, you know, I think there's just beauty and value in all of them. Yeah. I couldn't agree more as someone who has been on the other side. I couldn't agree more. Well, I guess in wrapping up a lot of the conversations that you have had, obviously regarding choices, you've even talked about, should you have named your, your podcast? I didn't know about the the new normal, but go with your gut. That has also come up. So when making choices, you know, we obviously can use our head and really rationalize and think through things, or we can go with our gut and our feeling. So I know you've spoken to that a little bit, but, but talk a little bit about that and maybe what you've heard through this year from talking to your guests and, and maybe your opinion on the matter. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. And, and if I listen to all 40 episodes or whatever, I think that that idea of going with your gut and intuition and listening to yourself, listening to your soul, listening to your inside, I think it's come up with like, 60 or 70% of the episodes. It just seems like it's just a common thing with these people who've overcome something challenging or come through something challenging or just made a, a for, you know, just made a decision when there was a fork in their road. Uh, that's always come up. And so, yeah, I, I, I guess my thought is that I, I don't know that we listen to it enough, you know, kind of going back to the, the fear that people have about making change and staying safe. You know, I was talking about the personality uh, assessments. I think like listening to the, your gut is part of that. I think that the reason we uh, sometimes don't make choices that might be better for us, we don't take those risks is because we're afraid of, you know, we're not listening to our gut. Uh, and so there we're listening to our head and the rationale like, Hey, you know, I, I'm making this much money and I can pay my mortgage and I can do this and it's safe and I know where I'm going and I know the people and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to stick with that even though I'm not happy. But if they listen to their gut and kind of follow that, they could find a, a bigger possibility for themselves. And so I've noticed that with a lot of, a lot of these people, I'm not going to you know specify which ones, but I, I feel like 
two thirds or more of them talked about how, when I asked them, how do you make that choice? What was your logic? What was your process? They're like, I kind of just listened to my gut. You know, it's just, it's a theme. Even, even with my father, you know, surviving the Holocaust, there, there was no, there was no strategy. Zero. It was just like listening to his intuition. I should or shouldn't speak up right now. I should or shouldn't raise my hand. I should or should be in the front or in the back or the middle of the line. It was all intuition. There was no strategy. It was just kind of like, he just talked about it being moment to moment, you know, and he was young, he was 15 during the time. But I think, you know, I think he survived partially because he just listened to his intuition. Okay. So we have to play that clip because I did pull that one. Oh, good. We didn't plan any of this. This is good. I mean, you did, I didn't. <laughs> there was many of these de- small decisions. I don't know why it's not the smart, but I made it just for gut feeling that I had to do this. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, how could you, how could you have a strategy to survive, you know, the most notorious concentration camp there is? But, you know, he, he always says, my, my dad always says, you know, I'm not a hero. I'm not special. I just survived. And I would just beg to disagree. You know, it's like, it's, it's really easy for us. You know, when I say us, I mean, all of us who are not, you know, famous athletes, famous actors, politicians, you know, people of massive power influence. Uh, it's easy for us to go look at them and go, well, yeah, they've achieved something, you know, I haven't, but really the reality is I think that you and I and my parents and all of the episodes that I've done, I think we're all heroes, you know, because we're we're in the battle every day, trying to make the best choices we can make, trying to be the best versions of ourselves, and it, it's not easy, right? Uh, and 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 that's partly what makes the 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 good moments so sweet, is because it's not easy, you know, and we choose to battle through that that brick wall to reference something I said earlier. Um, that's what makes life sweet. So I think, you know, we are uh, to, you know, kind of counter my father. I think he's a hero. And I think we all are for just trying to be our best version of ourselves every day. I love that. Making the best choices, the, the clear choices. That's right. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to cover? Yeah, I would just want to close with saying how amazing you are. Uh, it's been Aww. totally continues to be really uh, fun to work with you. This is a labor of love. This isn't uh, yet a huge commercial enterprise. Uh, it's just something I do because I, I enjoy it and I enjoy, you know, giving to the people that are, are listening and, uh, and all that wouldn't happen if I wasn't working with you. You know, you do a great job. You're fun. You're, you're the person that I just bounce things off of and I get ideas from you. You've turned me on to some potential guests and future guests. And, you know, I just kind of brainstorm with you. And, and so you're, you're the really the only person I spend time with kind of strategizing on how to make the show better. And I really enjoy it and appreciate, you know, everything you bring to the show. So now that you've interviewed me, I think, you know, you're going to have to do a couple episodes a month. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, on this side of things, but thank you so much. It has been a privilege and an honor. And um, when I, you know, got the opportunity to work with you. I knew it was going to be special and I, I definitely feel that way a year later. So thank well, you. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clear choices listeners. Uh, I hope you found this a little bit interesting and unique, sort of a, a melody uh, of our, our best ofs. 
And um, I appreciate you listening. As always, uh, take a look at clearchoices.live. Uh, you can reach me through there if you're interested in my uh, one-on-one coaching uh, programs. And uh, again, I can't thank Chrissy enough for being part of this show. And thanks for listening to Clear Choices. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.